Today's episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15 is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Noah Syndergaard is the latest pitcher to get on the list of Tommy John surgery recipients. And are quality start leagues the way to go? Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had uh, three cold brews yet. Got ahead of me on uh, my my caffeine question. So glad glad to know that there's been uh, some caffeination in your life. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy in 15 on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Wednesday, March 25th. Al Melker here with Michael Beller, and uh, this has been way too common a theme of late for us, Michael, but uh, we have another Tommy John surgery to talk about, and this time it is Noah Syndergaard, Um, so no 2020 season whenever it may start for him, and most likely he misses part of 2021. What do you see as being the uh, most relevant aspect of this development? Man, this Mets team, this is a, this is a snake bit team. Go back to, uh, what, just five seasons ago. This team was in the World Series. Now every single pitcher from that rotation has uh, undergone Tommy John surgery. I suppose uh, four have undergone, one soon will in Noah Syndergaard. It's uh, a very hard thing to do to build around arms with the injuries that hit these pitchers. Uh, the biggest takeaway for me, Al, is, I mean, I think obviously – what happens to him and the rest of the team this season, I guess, when the season does start. Now there's really no more fifth starter battle, right? Uh, we know that it's DeGrom, Stroman, Porcello, Stephen Matz, and Michael Walker, not Stephen Matz or Michael Walker in the rotation for New York. And that actually could be a little bit interesting to me. Uh, Stephen Matz was someone who yeah, I've been going after with, um, I would say, a fair bit of uh, aggressiveness because of the strikeout upside. Michael Walker, uh, never going to reclaim the uh, his heights that he had in St. Louis, but not a bad pitcher by any stretch of the imagination. And if he's getting uh, to be in a team's rotation, getting the fifth, the start every fifth day, I think there could be some volume here where you know you're not necessarily running him out there on your fantasy team for every single start, but you know a, a matchup or uh, where he's where he's got the upper hand or a week where he's got two starts or you know maybe he ends up being a, a decent pitcher at home. I'm just sort of spitballing here, but I think it takes Michael Walker from totally off the fantasy radar to. Uh, somewhat maybe kind of sort of attractive for the 2020 season. Yeah, well, you you went right to the same place where I went when I saw the news in regards to Michael Walker, um, you know, which is thinking, well, okay, there's really not much you can look at in his 2019 profile and say, oh, here's here's a nugget of hope <laughs> for, for him this year, other than to just, as you, I think you were alluding to, just hope that maybe he uh, just gets back to some semblance of where he, he was at his peak. Now, he's coming from the Cardinals, who, of course, also have a very good pitcher's park. And uh, he was only slightly less homer prone there. He was generally better, though, so that just may have been more of pitching the the comforts at home. Uh, players generally do perform better in their home venues uh, for the most part. But, yeah, I don't see a lot there that really – 
makes Waka that much more attractive for fantasy, even though he obviously does stand to gain a lot more playing time here. The other thing that strikes me about this is that the Mets already were a team that didn't really have a lot of rotation depth. And so, of course, now they're down, down one more. Teams almost universally wind up having to rely on a sixth starter. Uh, so they, the Mets uh, in the offseason, they picked up Steven Gonzalez, the former Twins uh, prospect, Pedro Payano from the uh, Rangers. Uh, is there anybody that you see here who's worth targeting, maybe in an NL-only league, just you know, in a league deep enough where somebody who has potential for innings has some appeal? God, I mean, maybe Gonzalez, <laughs> right? I mean, but I mean, I, then you're you're really you're really reaching at that point. I I, I don't think you go into an NL only draft uh, targeting anyone else on this team other than the uh, the five in the rotation to start the year. Um, you know, maybe Gonzalez becomes someone who uh, is someone you target on the waiver wire. Piano could play his way there as well. But you're not sitting there on draft day saying, yeah, this is an endgame option. It just doesn't feel to me like either of those guys are going to have that juice, especially since it's not like they're in the rotation. Maybe, and I only say uh, maybe with a really drawn-out why, that you could make an (laughs) argument for one of them if they were going to be in the rotation at the start of the year. But you already need a rotation spot to open up or open up for some time, and then you need that guy to make good on it. So... I think you're staying away from those two guys. I think more about, you know, wh- where do we think Syndergaard's going to end up being in 2021? Yeah. I mean, that's obviously uh, one of the bigger questions uh, involved here and uh, very hard to say at this point. Something else I want to talk about, uh, Michael, on this show that we just started to talk about on Tuesday's show because it related to Michael Salfino's piece on quality starts. Uh, that was our featured read for for that show. But we didn't really get to dig into the topic of quality starts. So, uh, and Michael, at the beginning of the piece, you know, voices a, an opinion where he's really not for using it as a category. I certainly like it as a substitute for wins, just because I, while it's far from a perfect stat, I think it is a better stat for wins. I will also say that in any league where I've had quality starts used, I just find myself reflexively, reflexively rooting for wins, which is really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't know if that uh, means anything about what my preferences should be, but how do you feel about quality starts as a category? You know, I'm fine with it. Uh, the operative part of what you said there is far from a perfect stat. And for me, that's really why I I stick with wins. Um, Both of them have their drawbacks. Both of them have their positives. So if we're already, if we're going to be going from something that is, you know, fine, but not perfect to something else that is fine, but not perfect, then I think I would just rather stick with the wins. It's a a little bit easier for the average person to wrap their head around. Uh, It's something that feels maybe a a little bit more projectable than quality starts. I, I mean, my problem with the quality start baseline is that you know, three runs allowed in six innings is not exactly that good of an outing. I don't think any pitcher in the history of baseball would say, yeah, I gave up three and six. I did my job. I mean, that's just, that's just not a quality start. Uh, it's, a, it's a misnomer. And that's why I uh, reject it personally. I totally understand if you like it better. And I like if you, if you Al, were setting up a league today and you invited me to join and you said we're using quality starts, not wins, I, I wouldn't be like, ah, f- screw it, I'm out. I, I would be totally okay <laughs> with still being in that league. It's just one that I can't really get too worked up on either side. One way that I do feel very strongly is OBP over batting average. I, I significantly prefer OBP to batting average. So that is a nice contrast uh, to quality starts versus wins. 
I understand the, the the positives of both. I don't really get too worked up about it. It mostly comes out in the wash at the end of the season. Yeah, well, and I think that's a good comparison, and it's one that Michael Salfino makes in his column with OBP versus average. Uh, I think it's kind of a natural place to go, and I, I would agree with you that there seems to there to me seems to be a stronger case to uh, support OBP as a category as opposed to quality starts over wins, just because OBP it's very clear what that contribution is to a team's offense. Um, you know, whereas quality starts, like I say, it's kind of a little bit of a, a wishy-washy way to measure uh, uh, quality. You know, it's it's uh, it's certainly a low bar to be cleared, and it's it's more dependent on performance than wins are, which is why I I have a slight preference for it. Uh, but like you said, too, it's also it's not as intuitive. So even when I'm in a league where there's quality starts, I find myself kind of, you know, veering towards looking for the, the thing, you know, that's more uh, familiar to me. So uh, not not a strong preference there. Uh, if you do play in quality start leagues, and this is something, by the way, that's on my radar because I'm going to be in a CBS head to head mock uh, later on this week. That's a, it's a points league. So that's, you know, points leagues uh, tend to use quality starts. Uh, oftentimes in addition to wins. And there are certain pitchers that really benefit a lot. I mean, and it's obvious the type that do benefit, those who don't necessarily get a lot of strikeouts, who don't succeed in ways that are typical for uh, roto leagues, for for standard fantasy leagues, but, uh, you know, just tend to go deep into games. You know, Mike uh, Fires, Marco Gonzalez, Mike Leak, uh, Brett Anderson, Fires and Gonzalez were both top 30 pitchers in CBS standard points leagues last year. Leak and Anderson were both top 50. I mean, that's a huge, huge upgrade from uh, where they ranked in, in standard Roto League. So, you know, if you're playing that format, just keep that in mind. Um, pitchers that tend to be very inefficient, like Jay Goodorizzi and Robbie Ray, they lose value. You Darvish is kind of an interesting case because he's – He's had issues with walks throughout his career. He's had some issues with efficiency. But if we get the U Darvish from late 2019 for whatever portion of 2020 gets played, he's going to be a tough one to read for uh, for leagues that use quality starts or, or points leagues. Yeah, well, if you get that U Darvish, it's not going to matter. If you use <laughs> right. wins or quality starts, he's going to be a hell of a pitcher. And I do think that that's the U Darvish uh, that we're going to see a lot of this season, especially in a truncated season when we're not worried about injuries quite so much and we're not worried about him you know, having to make 32 starts for a potentially contending team in the Cubs. Uh, I know that's not exactly what we're getting into here, but you uh, Darvish is someone who uh, quality starts, wins, uh, nothing uh, in that regard. You Darvish is on my radar. Yeah, I, it, it's a little bit of a risk, and uh, I didn't wind up with him in any leagues, which is a bit of a disappointment to me because if he is how he was late last season, he's got to be a you know top ten, top twelve pitcher. But um, you know that's a big if. That's a big if. So mm-hmm. uh, particularly in a, a points league scenario or a quality start league. Uh, there's a little extra extra element of risk there with you, uh, Darvish. Uh, so let's get to our out-of-the-park giveaway. Our winner from uh, Tuesday's trivia contest was Henry Howard, which is you know a nice way to reward Henry. I mean, it's, it was just coincidence, but he submitted a great question to us last week that we used on the air, and uh, he just happened to give the right answer that uh, Jimmy Rollins was the one who uh, uttered the memorable quote, Cavs are tricky cats. And uh, so he won the drawing out of all those who who gave us the correct answer. Uh, we'll do it the same way this time. DM your responses to me. Do not respond to me uh, just with a direct Twitter reply, but DM your response to today's question to me at Al Melchior, B-B-A-L, 
M-E-L-C-H-I-O-R-B-B. The correct, hopefully the correct response to this question, who are the only pitchers to have at least 125 quality starts during the decade of the 2010s and to have had at least one quality start with six different teams? And I should have, I didn't write down this way in the notes, but let me be more specific. Two pitchers. Two pitchers who achieved this had at least 125 quality starts for the decade of the 2010s and also had at least one quality start with six different teams. Uh, Now, Mike, you see the answers here. We're not going to give anything away, (laughs) but uh, do either of these pitchers surprise you? It's a good one. It's a good one. I I feel like (laughs) I want to say I would have gotten to this. Um, but, uh, I, I, you know, I mean, I see the answer, so I can't say that for sure. I'll say that one of the two surprises me that he, that he's been on, that it would have took me a while to remember that he's been on six teams. Yeah. I think I know which one you're talking yeah. about. So I won't say, I will say no more. <laughs> <laughs> so again, uh, send your responses to me via DM at Al Melchior BB. And let's move on to uh, today's featured read. This one is on The Athletic from Rob Biertemfeld, the Pirates beat writer who uh, does awesome work. And uh, I thought this was a a really interesting piece. Will life's hard hard lessons eventually lead to a new, improved Gregory Polanco? He's been kind of a a conundrum for me in terms of how to deal with uh, in in drafts because uh, he's one of these players I think that really – could have a wide uh, you know, divergence in terms of possible uh, possible outcomes for the season, and of course, again, that's you know we don't even know how long the season will be. But uh, some interesting information there on Gregory Polanco and how he's uh, you know come back from a shoulder injury, really, really uh, you know and from surgery. Uh, he, but I found this interesting, Mike. He uh, and Fantasy Pros has a three hundred six ADP. Very similar on NF, uh, NFBC, 297. So around the 300th uh, player taken overall uh, by either measure. But if you look at NFBC ADP since March 11th, which was the day that the NBA suspended its season mm-hmm. and th- things really obviously changed, uh, his ADP is up to 281. Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, a little more than a round earlier in, in you know, any format. Uh, and that's even a decent sample. I was kind of surprised to see that there have been 75 NFBC drafts since March 11th. So um, maybe folks are figuring that with the extra time, that that's more time for him to heal. Uh, in Rob's article, he talks about how uh, in spring training, Polanco was still having trouble throwing from the outfield. So, uh, you know, maybe the extra time helps. Maybe maybe it hurts. Hard to say. And you know what? Just read Rob's piece. Uh, that's <laughs> the, the best thing to do. It's going to be well worth your time. And so with that said, we're going to wrap things up here on today's episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, just know that we are currently running a three-month trial subscription, a free subscription. So do check that out. There's also still the 40% off deal that you can get by going to theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. And everything that we do, everything we work on is uh, included with that subscription And if you're listening to this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and review, we would certainly appreciate it if you took the time to do that. So for Michael Beller, I'm Al Melker, and we will be back with you on Thursday. 